Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. This church is big enough when there are no more lost people who are destined for an eternity apart from Christ. This church is big enough when there are no more unreached people groups in the world who have never heard the life-giving name of Jesus. This church is big enough when 10 a.m. on Sunday morning is no longer the most segregated hour in America. This church is big enough when the glory of God cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. This church is big enough when there are no more orphans in the world who wake up every day without a mother and a father. And until that happens, we are called by Christ to leverage everything we have and everything we are to see the greater work of salvation in Him roll forward like the ocean, amen.
church, we're so glad you're here with us. Would you stand as we sing? chosen. We're adopted sons and daughters of the King. He promises not to forsake and sing this out. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Oh, I am who you say I am. 
Good morning, Lake Point. This is Gary. And Gary, is it true that you've asked Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of your life? Absolutely. Well, it's upon that profession of faith that I have the privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Hey friends, welcome to Lake Point Church. It is great to be here with you this weekend. I'm personally excited because of an awesome message that we're gonna hear from Pastor Josh. And I love our amazing worship band. But to be honest with you, one of the things I'm most excited about is the music because the music I heard earlier this weekend from my three-year-old, and now some of you that have young children or young grandchildren are gonna understand this. All day yesterday, my three-year-old yelled at Alexa, Alexa! Play Baby Shark. Yeah, see, I hear some of those parents out there. But Baby Shark over and over again. So I'm excited to, for you guys to be here to hear our awesome worship band. Hey, if you're new here, we are so glad that you came today. And we just want to encourage you to take your worship guide, take that little tear-off off, fill that information out that. Let that be your offering to us today. We'd love to get to know you better, send you some more information about Lake Point Church. Also, if you're here today and you want to learn more about life groups or a meaningful place to serve or maybe about what it means to have a relationship with Christ or get baptized like the one we just saw, or maybe to join the church, just stop by our Connection Center. It's that glassed-in room just outside the auditorium doors. Stop by there immediately following the service. We would love to help you out. We also have some awesome things coming up for both our women and our men this week. On Tuesday, our women are having Unveiled, okay? They have a special speaker, and listen to this, they have food trucks, food trucks, so come to that, women. That's gonna be a special time. And our men, as usual, we have man church and we have burgers. You guys know all about that. If you need more information about that, go to lakepoint.org. We'd love to send you more information. Also, we are excited for the way that God is continuing to work in and through the people of Lake Point Church. We are commissioning a bunch of great people this week. In Dallas, Texas, we have 19 people doing compassion ministry. In Mexico, 22 people. In Pasadena, California, with one of our church partners, we have nine people going to do outreach. And then some overseas group are going to Ghana, seven people to do compassion ministry, as well as five people going to East Asia to do college outreach. Let's give the Lord a hand for what he's doing through those, yeah. And this is your reminder of all of our favorite time of the year where you spring forward to lose an hour of sleep next week. So this is your warning. Please set your clocks forward so that you're not late for church. We'll love to see you there. Now stand with us as we continue to worship. Be home. 
your goodness I would be desperate without your love slave to the darkness if it was for the cross you have won me with your kindness chase me down with was lost where would I be if it was for the cross hallelujah well thank you Jesus I was a prisoner
Thank him for that. Well, thank you so much for singing with us. Uh, you can go ahead and have a seat. Our ushers are going to come forward in this time and receive our offering. As they're doing that, we invite you to continue singing with us. with us. Oh, hi. 
Amen. Thank y'all for worshiping. You go and have a seat. Welcome, Lake Point family. And uh, hey, if you got your Bibles, head over to Exodus chapter 13. That's going to be today, Exodus 13. Want to go ahead and welcome everybody. If you are new, uh, welcome with us. My, my name is Josh, and I'm one of our co-pastors here. We are incredibly honored that you're here. And uh, I do want to say a quick word to our Lake Point family. You know, uh, I'm still so new. I've only been here six or eight weeks. And right now, um, I'm just learning all of these amazing things about our church. So uh, can I share one of the amazing things I learned about our church this week? That, would that be cool? Okay. Uh, let me do this. I learned this week in just the month of March we are going to send over 400 people on mission trips. Isn't that amazing? That is, can we celebrate that? That's right, man. 400 people uh, just this month on mission trips. And what I've learned is, you know, as a, as a church, whatever we celebrate, we will cultivate. And whatever we fail to celebrate will eventually leave our church. So we never want to get used to uh, having that amazing uh, sending culture, all right? Well, hey, um, here's where we are. We are in the second week of a series that we're just calling BYOG, and that stands for Bring Your Own God. And what we're doing during this series, we're really on a seek and destroy mission. And what we're doing is we are trying to identify and eliminate all of the things that try to hijack our hearts and sort of become our functional gods, the things that try to take God's place in our heart as first. And uh, it's really important for you to understand this one concept or else this entire sermon won't make any sense. Uh, what we established last week is that in the Bible, idolatry is not just bowing down to a statue. Um, in the Bible, idolatry is it's anything that becomes more important to us than God that's an idol in our life. It's any God substitute. It's any time we put anything first in our lives besides God. It's any time we look to a created thing for something that only the creator can give us. So it's when we look uh, to something besides God in our lives for things like happiness, joy, peace, security, a sense of identity, a sense of self-worth. Whatever that thing is, that becomes like a functional God in our lives, okay? So each week, we're looking at one of these and toppling it. Now, the one we're doing this week, it's the one that Jesus said was most likely to hijack your heart away from him, and it's, it's the false God of money and possessions. Now, before you freak out on me, okay, let me just give a quick disclaimer, uh, this, there is no special offering coming after the message. This is not a we want something from you message. This is a we want something for you message. This is not a giving message. As much, this, is a, this is a freedom message, okay? So I, I just need you to know that. But Jesus was really clear that if anything, the thing that is most likely uh, to steal your heart from him is this thing. I'll, I'll give you an example. You remember Jesus said it's hard for those who possess great wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Have you ever thought about this? He didn't say that about any other thing. He didn't say it's hard for people who practice a lot of sexual immorality to enter the kingdom of God. Never said that. He didn't say it's hard for people who are liars and deceitful to enter the kingdom of God. Didn't say that. He said about this one thing, that, that will be hard for you to enter the kingdom of God. Um, there was one time where Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You'll either, uh, uh, you cannot serve God and, now if you read your old King James, King James Bible, it says you can't serve God and mammon. 
Mammon was the name of an ancient god that, that represented money and possession. So if there's anything that's gonna hijack your heart away from him, it's gonna be this issue. Now, here's my problem as a preacher today, okay? Here's my problem. Everybody thinks this is somebody else's issue. That's my problem, okay? Um, years ago, I, uh, there was a church planner that, that rode into town uh, for, to do some coaching with me. And uh, we were driving around town, and uh, we passed the house of a man in our church, a very real real beautiful house. This guy just happened to be the president of a very successful organization uh, in uh, the area, gorgeous house, side of a hill, overlooking a beautiful part of the city. And the church planner pointed up at the house and said, man, and just kind of pointed it out. And, uh, and I just said, well, man, you know, funny you point that out. That man is actually a very faithful member of our church. And this church planner just offhandedly fired off, huh, seems like somebody needs a greed sermon. That's what he said. Now, I don't know why this happened to me. For some reason, I totally tripped a breaker in that moment and lost it. And so just in the moment, I said, well, hey, man, there's some things that you don't know about that guy. What you don't know about that guy is that guy has given hundreds of thousands of dollars to missions efforts all over the world. What you don't know is that guy paid for plane tickets to and from China for a couple in his life group that's adopting. What you don't know is last month, that guy paid for our entire leadership staff to go to a conference out of state, paid for plane tickets, hotel, food, everything, just to bless us. And what you don't know is that guy built that house and told me the reason he built that house was so that we could use it for whatever he wanted for the church, for the kingdom of God. And then I just, in a moment of weakness, I said, I don't think he's got a greed problem. I think you've got a jealousy problem. (laughs) And then, and then I said, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, it just came out. But that's what happens, is everybody thinks this is somebody else's issue, okay? Now, I do wanna say two quick disclaimers before I get into the passage, okay? Number one, I need you to know almost nothing I say in this message is original to me. There are about four other pastors who have influenced just how I've understood uh, this teaching kind of thing, so none of this is my genius. That's not where this came from. Number two, this is, as you're gonna see in a, a few minutes, this is a very personal message to me. It's almost as if there is a before and after moment in my family's life because of what I'm about to teach you, okay? So, let's do it with open hearts. Check this out with me uh, from Exodus 13. Uh, Now, let me start with the principle that this passage illustrates, okay? Here's the principle. When we put God first in our lives, everything will tend towards order, and when God is not first in our lives, everything will tend towards disorder. That's what you're gonna see, okay? Now, Exodus 13, here we go. It says, the Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me, now you're gonna see a pattern, every firstborn male, the first offspring of every womb among the Israelites, real strong language here, belongs to me. It belongs to me, God says, whether human or animal. You are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb, All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a, now I'm gonna explain this, but just note these things. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons, okay? Now, you may read that and kind of go, man, Josh, what in the world does that have to do with anything? Well, let me explain this. Um, You Bible scholars in the room will know this. In the Old Testament, there were two classifications of animals, two categories. There were clean animals and unclean animals. 
A lamb was the representative animal of the classification of clean animals, and a donkey was the representative animal of the classification of unclean animals. Now, what that passage just said is if your clean animal has a firstborn, sacrifice it, and if your unclean animal has a firstborn, redeem it with the sacrifice of a clean animal. Now, you may hear that and say, Josh, what in the world does that have to do with anything? Well, let's talk about the way that we were born and what this represents, okay? Now, let me ask you a a quick Bible pop quiz question, okay? Spiritually speaking, were you born clean or unclean? Were you born clean with a bent to always do us right or were you born unclean with a bent towards sin? Which, which way were we born? Uh, that's right, okay. Uh, a lot of you guys got it. I'll give you an example. Um, my family, we've got a, a four-year-old daughter. Their name is Felicity. <clears throat> Felicity is a big eater. Um, a few months ago, Jana walked into the kitchen, and she noticed that the uh, pantry door was propped open, and it, it, something was behind it. And she saw that Felicity was on the top of a stool and she was stealing some of the candy and desserts that we keep up at the top that they know you've got to ask mom and dad's permission to get candy or dessert. She was stealing it and trying to eat it without us noticing. So Jana did what any you know, good parent would do. She you know, grabbed her and uh, just started explaining to her, hey, Felicity, you know that that's against our rule, that you've got to ask our permission. That, those things belong to us. We bought those for you. They belong to us. And, uh, and so she explained, Felicity, you know, God commanded us. He gave us his good commands. And one of his commands is that we should not steal. And then she said, and Felicity, when, you come to, when, when we come to know God, we want to follow his commands. And when Jana finished explaining that, Felicity looked uh, right back at her and smiled and said, well, I don't know God yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what she said. So spiritually speaking, we were born unclean. That's how we were born. Now, let me ask you this question. What about Jesus? Was Jesus born clean or unclean? Clean. Now watch this. Listen. The clean had to be sacrificed for the unclean to be redeemed. That's what we just read in Exodus 13. It's pointing forward to what God would do through Jesus. Now, what we're gonna do is we're gonna relate this principle uh, to money and to tithing, but before you freak out, I just need to, tell you, need to tell you something. It hurts me when people speak negatively of tithing because I don't think they understand the principle behind it. Think about this. Why in the Bible is Jesus called the firstborn son of God? And why does the Bible talk about Jesus being the first fruits of all creation. Do you understand? Let me say something you may have never heard before. Do you understand? Jesus was God's tithe. See, we give our first and our best because God gave his first and his best for us. God did, think about this. God did not wait to give his son for us. He gave his son for us when we were spitting on him, mocking him, and nailing him to a cross. See, God says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, okay? So Jesus is God's tithe. So this is how we give. We, what God is saying is, I want you to return the first of everything I give you back to me because I and my great love for you gave my first and my best for you. Now that's how we give. We give the tithe first. Now, what's really interesting about this is this is the one area in the entire Bible that God gives us permission to test him in. Uh, In every other commandment, 
God says, against the rules to put the Lord your God to the test. This one area, he says this in Malachi chapter two, listen to his language. God says, test me, bring the whole tithe into the house of God and see if I will not pour out blessings so great that your storehouses cannot contain it. He says, test me. In fact, God is so faithful in this. Um, where I've been before, sometimes when I've, I've counseled people, I, I would tell my, uh, the church that I was at, I would tell them, hey, listen, God is so faithful in this, I would say, if you will tithe for a year, if at the end of that year you are not fully satisfied with how God has cared for your needs, I'll give you your money back. That's why you say. Now, let me say that to you. Okay, if you will tithe for an entire year, if at the end of the year you're not fully satisfied, <clears throat> Pastor Steve will give you your money back. Okay, that's where we go. Okay, so now, now listen, I, I just need you to know this. Now, what I want you to see is that this, uh, this principle of returning our first back to God, it runs its way everywhere in the Bible. Think about this when the children of Israel went into the land of Canaan uh, and they came to the city of Jericho. What God told them, I'm gonna read it to you, and you'll notice something you've never noticed before. God said, bring, now real quick, I wanna point this out. Whenever the Bible talks about the tithe, God never says to give the tithe. He always uses the word bring. Do you know why? Because you can't give something that doesn't belong to you. You can only bring it back. See, what God says, he tells Israel, he says, bring all of the silver and gold back to the house of God. Now, you may hear that and go, wait a second, Josh. I thought a tithe was 10%. Why didn't he say bring 10% back? Why did he say bring all? Well, here's why. Jericho was the first city. So you return the first. I'll give you another one. You guys remember the story of Cain and Abel, where God uh, accepts Abel's offering and reject, rejects Cain's offering. Now, have you ever wondered why? I, actually, I've heard Bible scholars debate this. Why did God accept Abel's offering and reject Cain's offering? If you've ever wondered that, I'm, I'm just gonna read you the passage, and when you think about this, the principle of the first, when I read it, you'll see it immediately. You'll know immediately why God accepted one and rejected the other. This is Genesis 4. It says, now Abel kept flocks, so Abel was a rancher, and Cain worked the soil, so Cain was a farmer. Watch this. In the course of time, wait, whoa, whoa, nope. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the, do you see it? The firstborn. The firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Now, did you see it? Now, some people say, oh, well, maybe it was because of the different types of offerings, you know, they brought. You know, uh, Abel was a rancher and Cain was a farmer and everybody knows because God is perfect, God would rather have meat than vegetables. You know, everybody knows. Well, no, 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 that's not why at all. Did you see it? It's because one offering was brought in the course of time and one brother brought the first and God said, I'll accept the first. I do not, re I do not accept the leftovers. See, that's the principle, the principle of first. Now, I'm gonna actually take this a bit deeper and uh, let me say something that may uh, freak some of you out. Let me say it, let me explain it. I actually wanna say, it's not just that God wouldn't accept Cain's offering. In some ways, it's that God couldn't accept Cain's offering. Now, you may hear that and say, now, wait a second, Josh. Um, God can do anything, right? No, 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 no. What the Bible teaches is God can do anything that is within his character, God can't do anything that's outside of his character. Did you know this? There's actually some things the Bible says God can't do. 
So for instance, remember, the Bible says God can't lie. God can't lie because he is truth. You see, he can't do anything that violates his character. I'll give you another one. Um, the Bible says that God can't change. Bible scholars call this the immutability of God. And here's what that means. God can't change because if God could change, that would mean he could get better and he can't get better because he's already best. See, God can't change his immutability. I'll give you another one. Um, the Bible says that God can't think the way that we think. Um, Bible scholars call that the omniscience of God. Omni means all, science means knowledge. God is always possessing all knowledge. So what that means is all the time, God is thinking about everything at the same time. Now, if you try to wrap your head around that, <coughs> you'll trip a breaker. <laughs> so let me kind of boil that down. Here's what that means. Uh, to put this a simple way, it means nothing has ever occurred to God. There has never been a moment where God in heaven went, you know what I just thought of. I just thought of this amazing thing I never thought of before. This is absolutely incredible. How could I have never thought of that before? Uh, let, let me put it one more way. Um, no one has ever told God something that made him say, oh, myself. That has never happened, right? That never happened. Why? Because God is omniscient. He can't think the way that we think, okay? Now, let me do one other one. God can't be second. Bible scholars call this the preeminence of God. The Bible says that God is before all things and in him all things hold together. So God can't be second. He couldn't accept a leftover offering because God can't be leftovers. He's already first. He's always first. Now listen, what you need to know is that you may not put God first in your life, but your order doesn't change his order. Just because you don't put him first, he's still first in the universe. He's God. Okay? Now, what I want you to see is, uh, let me, let me, if this is confusing, let me give you a math illustration to help you understand how this works um, and then uh, to, to explode some legalism that might be in the room. So here's a quick, I, I'm a math guy. I kind of tend to think in terms of numbers. Let me give you a math illustration. So imagine that you, your family owns a landscaping company and we hire you to my house and you come and you do a little bit of work and we pay you, the, the price of the, uh, the labor is a, was $1,000. So my family pays you $1,000, 10 $100 bills. Now, this isn't why I'm doing this, but just, just a quick quiz. A tithe means 10th. So $1,000, how much is the tithe, okay? It's, uh, that's very good, you guys are very smart, okay, $100. Okay. Now, here's the, here's the question. So you have 10 $100 bills. Which one of those $100 bills is the tithe? You guys are very smart. You're the smartest service so far. The first one. That's right. It's the first one. Now, the first one out of your hand, that's the tithe. The principle of first, the first one out of your hand is the tithe. Now, Pete, you can get real legalistic with this, so, so, and don't do that. So I want you to imagine this. Um, imagine that, uh, what, here's what my family does, because we wanna prioritize the first, God being first in our finances. We do automatic withdrawal. The first week, of, the first day of every month, it just comes right out of our account. What we say in the Howerton family is we automate what's important. If it's really important, let's eliminate memory. We automate what's important, okay? Now imagine this, imagine that on the first day of next month, on April 1st, uh, Jana gets up really early. She walks to the uh, refrigerator and she notices that we're out of milk and eggs. 
So really early in the morning, Jana runs down to Kroger and she gets milk and eggs. She walks back in the house. I'm in my chair. I see her walk in the house and I say, babe, where have you been? And she says, well, I noticed we were out of some things, so I ran to get them so I could, I could cook breakfast this morning. Do you know what I don't say? If she paid that money to Kroger before the automatic withdrawal came out of our account, do you know what I don't say? I don't say, well, that's great, sweetie. Now we're cursed. You've cursed our finances for the entire month. You've ruined everything. And I don't say that. See, listen, it, listen, it's the first in your heart. It's whatever's first in your priority. That's what God's saying when he's saying, return to me the time. It's, it's the first, first in priority, first emotionally, first in your heart. Now, let me just say something that may sound like it has a bit of an edge. I don't mean to say it this way. You're gonna see in a second why I'm really passionate about this at a personal level. What a lot of people do is they, they get, get their money at the beginning of the month and they, okay, we're gonna give some to the mortgage company, give some for utilities, give some to the groceries, you know, give some for our clothing, and then whatever's left is God's part. And no, no, no. You gave God's part to the mortgage company. See, God's is the first part, is what he says. And what a lot of people say, and again, I, I'm saying this because I love you. You'll see here in a second why I'm saying this. What a lot of people say is, say, man, Josh, God's not first in my finances yet, but he is first in my heart. Well, wait a second. Remember, Jesus is the one that connected the two. Jesus is the one that said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So listen, we can say all day that God is uh, first in our heart, but if he's not first in our finances, he's not first. So God is saying, return to me the first because I am first. Now here's what I know. I know that there are a lot of you here, you're hearing that and you're going, man, pastor, I would love to tithe, but I can't afford to tithe. Okay, let me say something to you that is not gonna make sense when I say it, and I'm gonna tell you from my personal life why this is true, okay? What you're gonna find is that you will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Now, let me explain that. What I mean is tithing or giving our first back to God, that's not a deviation from the goal of financial freedom. That's a step toward financial freedom, okay? Now, what I'm getting ready to teach you, uh, for years and years when I was a pastor, I used to avoid teaching this because I was insecure about sounding like a, a crazy TV preacher. But guys, this is simply in the Bible. Uh, let me read a couple of verses to you. This is Jesus from Luke chapter six. Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. I'll give you another one. This is 2 Corinthians 9. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly, and Paul's speaking in the context of finances, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Uh, let me give you another one. This is Proverbs chapter three. Here's what it says. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the, here it is again, the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Can I just tell you, here's what you're gonna see. There's this theme in the Bible that there is supernatural blessing that comes with giving God his part of your finances. And that whenever you make that decision to put God in his rightful place of first in this area, it releases a redemptive energy into your life that the Bible just simply describes. So let me just say it one more time. You'll never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Now, let me tell you why uh, this is so personal for me. When I was growing up, uh, my parents have an amazing uh, marriage story. I'll tell it to you sometime. Uh, now's not the day. But they eloped in college. And uh, when they got married, guys, 
they were so broke they couldn't pay attention. You know, it was one of those situations. They got married and, uh, in, in college. Now, uh, they qualified for government welfare. Now, let me just say this. There is nothing, if you qualify for that, there's nothing wrong with taking advantage of that. But my dad made the personal decision that he didn't wanna opt into that. And he said, man, he, he was a brand new Christian. And he said, what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna keep returning my firsts, whatever, whatever I get, back to God. And I'm gonna trust that God will care for my needs. And all growing up, my brother and I used to hear this story over and over and over about how you know packages of groceries left on the front door and envelopes in the mailbox and driving away from gas stations and somebody had taken care of their gas, tuition paid for by an unknown administrator, all these things. And every time mom and dad would tell my brother and I that story, they would always finish it with the same sentence. They'd say, Josh and Lee, that's my brother's name, they'd say, Josh and Lee, we were too poor not to tithe. Our only chance was that God would be faithful and that he would take care of our needs and we've never lacked anything. Yeah, we heard that story over and over. Now, fast forward a couple decades and uh, Jan and I, in 2005, we had just gotten married and then we were the ones who were too, too broke to pay attention. And uh, guys, when I'm telling you that, like, like we were broke. Uh, that year, uh, we were a single income family. Uh, Jana had just quit her job as a school teacher for us to move to another area. I was a, a youth pastor in a rural Kentucky uh, church. Uh, by the way, nobody strikes it rich as a rural youth pastor. That's not how it works. So our, our first year of marriage, our combined, our combined take-home income first year of marriage was a little less than $27,000. So listen, we, we were as broke as could be. Uh, the true story, date nights for us, our first year of marriage, were when Jana would let me supersize my McDonald's combo. That, that's not a joke. That was for real, like, hallelujah. You know, we were really excited. We had a little uh, $800 car. We loved that car. We prayed over that car. We anointed it with oil uh, <clears throat> about a quarter a week. <laughs> you know, it's kind of one of those situations. And it, you know, it's all we had. But what we did was we've always been like a Dave Ramsey budget family. That's how we've always been. So we sat down first year of marriage and we had two columns on our spreadsheet. Here's everything that's gotta go out. Here's everything that's coming in. And this column is bigger than this column. And we went, what are we gonna do? And I remembered what my parents had told me for years and years growing up. And so we made that decision first year of marriage. Jenna, we're gonna return the first of everything we get back to God and we're gonna trust that he's gonna take care of us. And guys, I, I cannot tell you, that year we kept a, a journal of every time that God directed unexpected income to us to take care of our needs. I still have those two pages of that journal. I'll show it to you someday, now's not the day. It was two pages, single spaced, front and back, unexpected income that God brought to us to take care of our needs. Uh, the, the week we made that decision, uh, Jana had a family at church that came to her for, uh, uh, for tutoring, $200 a month. Um, that year, uh, the previous owners of our little condo in Louisville, Kentucky, had apparently overpaid their property taxes. And apparently back then, that year in that state, there was a law that if the IRS couldn't locate the previous owners of the condo who overpaid their property taxes, that year they had to return that money to whoever was the current owner of the condo. So we got a $700 check from the IRS from somebody, who, somebody else who had overpaid their property taxes. Guys, the IRS paid me. That's how powerful our God is, okay? 
Now that happened. Uh, we got little, that's right. We had, there were deacons in our church that just walked up and little $100 handshakes, like, hey, it just felt led to bless you. We drove away from gas stations. I'd walk up to pay. The teller would just say, hey, I don't know who it was. Somebody took care of that for you. Over and over and over, we saw this, and we never lacked for anything. Um, because I still have those two pages in our journal, I, I, years later, I added it up. So our monthly tithe that year was about $230. At the end of the year, the unexpected income God brought our way to take care of our needs was over $4,000. Okay, now, now let me just say something, and I say this from very personal experience. God and 90% of your income can do more than you and 100% of your income. So you're, you're always gonna see that. Is that he's faithful. God and 90% of your income can do more than you and 100% of your income. Now, you may hear all that, you may say, yeah, Josh, all that's great, but, but why? Why did God create the tithe? Yeah, I don't understand. And some of you may go, oh, I know the answer to that question. God created the tithe to fund the work of the ministry. No, <laughs> are you guys reading your Bibles? Guys, we have a God who can rain manna from heaven. He can bring water from a rock. He doesn't need our 10% to run the work of his ministry. He could snap his fingers. So why did God create the tithe? Well, let me say it and let me explain it. He created the tithe to teach us and our children to walk by faith. He created the tithe to teach us and our children to walk by faith. Think about this. Why does he command to give the firstborn well, if you're a rancher, think about this. You don't know how many animals one animal is going to give birth to. It takes faith to give the first one. That might be the only one. If you're a farmer, you don't know how great the harvest is gonna be. It takes faith to give the first fruits of your crop. He did, did this to teach us and our children to walk by faith. Now, let me show you this in the passage and then uh, let, me, let me help you understand it really quick. So you're gonna see this in Exodus 13 at the end of the passage. Here's what it says. God says, in days to come, watch this. When your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn of both people and animals in Egypt. This is why I sacrifice to the Lord the first male offspring of every womb and redeem every each of my firstborn sons, okay? Now, if that doesn't make any sense, um, let, me, let me make it make sense for you, okay? Imagine that we rewound 3,500 years and imagine that for just a few moments, you today are transported back and you're a six-year-old Hebrew little boy or girl. Imagine one day your dad who owns a ranch he comes running into the living room and he says, son or daughter, you know, kids, come on out to the barn. Our new cow is about to give birth for the first time and I want you to see the miracle of childbirth. And so y'all come running out to the barn and you come out there and you see, you know, this brand new calf that the cow has just given birth to. And, uh, and your dad just says, oh my goodness, guys, isn't it cute? Isn't it so cute? Do you wanna pet it? Come pet it. And you say, dad, can we name it? And your dad says, well, actually, I don't want you to get too attached, and you're gonna see why here in a second. And so you, don't, you just keep petting it, and your dad just, oh, isn't it so cute? Isn't it so cute? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, your dad just reaches out and snaps its neck. And you think, 
what rule did that calf break and how do I avoid breaking that rule? <laughs> but then, years later, you grow up and you see your dad do that hundreds of times. Every time, firstborn, every time. And years later, there comes a day when your dad is aging and it comes time for your dad to hand over the family business. And you start looking down through the books and you start noticing, man, we are bleeding profit. And you grab your dad and, uh, and you just say, dad, I don't know how to say this. There's something I just need to cover with you. Uh, it, this may be a little awkward, dad. I've been looking through the books and, uh, and every time we have a firstborn on our ranch, dad, you, how do I say this? Dad, you kill it. <laughs> and dad, you are killing the profits of our business. In fact, last year, you killed 73 animals on our ranch. And I want you to imagine that your aging father looks right back at you and he closes his book and he says, hey, hey son, there's something I, I need to tell you um, about your mother and me. And I never wanted to have to share this with you, but son, we didn't always have everything that we have right now. And son, we didn't even always live in this country that we live in right now. See, son, before you were born, me and your mother, we were slaves. We were slaves in another country. And we had no way to get out of the slavery that we were in. And then you say, but God, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, he redeemed us from slavery. And so, son, we gladly return the first of everything we get back to the God that redeemed us. Okay, imagine that. Now, let me fast forward, fast forward 3,500 years. Imagine you're an aging father or an aging mother and you've been running your family business and your entire life at the first of every month you've sat down and you've written that check and then it comes time for you to pass the family business to your son or your daughter your son or your daughter, they look down through the books and they grab you and they say, hey dad, hey mom, this is really awkward, but we are bleeding profit. And I'm looking down and right at about 10% of everything our business is taking in, you just give it away and then they ask you this question, mom, dad, I love what they do, but why do you give so much to the church? And you that day, there's gonna come a day where you get to close your own books and you lean forward and you just explain to your son or your daughter and you say, hey son, hey daughter, there's something you don't know about mom and dad. See, we didn't always have what we have and I'm ashamed to tell you this, but we weren't always the people that we are today. See, there was a time when your dad was a very bad man and I was doing very bad things and I had no way to get out of the slavery to sin that I was in. But God, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, he redeemed us from slavery to sin. And son, we gladly give our first and our best back to him because he gave his first and his best for us. So that's what this is, to teach us to walk by faith. Now, some of you are here and you're like, man, you know, what do I do with this? And, and how do I build this into my life? Really quick, I wanna tell you right now, I wanna eliminate any emotional hurdle you have. So if you can't get past the fact that I'm the one that's leading this church and, and I, you know, I just don't understand, I gotta give to the church, but you're leading this church, fine, give somewhere else. If you need to do that, you, need, you should give here, but if you need to give somewhere else, that's fine. You simply need to make a decision 
to return the first of everything that God brings into your life back to him. And what you'll see is that he'll always take care of you. And we wanna give you a chance to figure out how you can take that step today. So if you guys could do this, on your way in today, you know, on your handout, if you grab your handout, and on the back of your guest, in, go ahead and grab that right now, on the back of your guest info card, uh, we wanna give you a chance to do what my family does, to automate what's important. And there's just little steps right here about how you can set that up where you just have a priority in your life. The first of everything that comes in, we return back to the Lord. <coughs> and there's little action steps right there on the back of the guest info card. You can do it in less than three minutes. You can do it on your cell phone before you leave this room. But you simply need to take that step to return the firsts back to him. Now, can I pray that we would follow him in that and that God would bless us as we do it? Okay, let, let me pray for you. So Father, we love you. Thank you so much for giving your first and your best, your firstborn son, the first fruits of all creation you gave for us. And so God, as a response to that, we gladly return to you our first and our best because of your great love for us. Father, make us people who leverage not just the first 10%, but we leverage everything in our lives and understand that everything we are and everything we have is a merciful gift from a gracious God and his great love to us. Father, would you please take what we give and would you take these action steps that we're taking even in this moment today and would you pour out blessings so great that our storehouses cannot contain it like your word says. Father, rest on us with the fullness of your Holy Spirit and give us joy in so doing. We love you and we would be yours with everything that we are. We pray those things in the name of your crucified and risen son, Jesus. Amen and amen, amen. Hey, Lake Point family, can you go ahead and stand with me? And right now what we're gonna offer back to him is the fruit of our worship. And so would you just open your lips with me to praise the firstborn of all creation crucified for us, Jesus Christ. Worship with me as we sing. You're the fire that once burned bright. 
This weekend, Lake Point, you are dismissed. Go and walk in the peace of the Lord. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church slash digital.